Thank you for joining us on the Anchor Conversations podcast, where we are bringing your Sunday into your weekday. Our goal is to invite you into the conversation that's happening when we're preaching on Sunday mornings by giving you an opportunity to ask questions and to continue to interact with the text through this podcast. Let's get started. Well, hello. Thanks for joining us on the Anchor Conversations podcast. This is Tyler here again with Jason. Also here again. I decided to come back this week. Uh, last week, I felt like um, I missed some jump shots, but um, but you know, I I also made some jump shots. So you pulled I'm the not, really... Celtics game seven. Yeah, out. yeah. I I, uh, I heard that that was kind of a a disaster of a game. I don't know. I I watched a little bit of it, and it looked like nobody could make a shot. So that was kind of weird. Um, it's unfortunate for them. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like part of I don't I don't totally I'm not great at basketball, but it it seems to be that if you make more shots than the other team, you win. So not making shots is not as not as helpful, I don't think. Yeah, I'm told the goal is to make shots and limit that's, the other teams. Yeah, that's what I that's what I've heard. Um it seems to make sense to me. So I guess we'll just we'll run with it there. All right. Well, thanks for joining us on our sports podcast today. That's all we have for you. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> We've changed it. Uh, thanks for joining us today, wherever you're at. Um, thanks for jumping in and uh, listening along with us here. Um, want to remind you as you're listening that um, if you find these podcasts helpful, um, just encourage you to share them with someone in the church. I guess someone outside of the church, too, if you want to. But really, uh, these podcasts are for us at Anchor Church to bring our Sunday into our weekday and really dig deeper in the word together. So if you are finding uh, these podcasts to be beneficial, just want to encourage you uh, as you're listening, uh, hit that share button, send it to someone in your huddle, in your community, um, someone that that you're connected to, um, just to kind of share the benefits of these podcasts with people. Yeah. And you may need to also help some people just to find it because it's been we're trying to figure out how to make it a little more accessible on our website and things like that. But if you're good at finding podcasts and you found it easy, we've had a lot of questions about how to find it. And so if someone's not sure, you could always just help, help them too. And let me also say, um, if you're listening to this in your car, whatever you're doing, washing dishes or whatever it is, thanks for listening. We actually do appreciate it. It it, it does. It really accomplishes one of the things that we wanted to accomplish, which is to um, be purposely biblical and not just leave things in one day, but to carry it over into the week. As Tyler just yeah. said, so thanks for thanks for thanks for listening. Awesome. Uh, today we're covering uh, your sermon from Mark chapter six, verses thirty through fifty-six. Uh, your big idea was that Jesus' patience and grace is greater than your unbelief, um, which is maybe a different uh, direction uh, than people might have expected with the feeding of the five thousand and the different um, just scenes going on there in Mark. Um, uh, which was a cool way to kind of approach those texts, in my opinion, uh, seeing just how Jesus approached the unbelief of his um, of his disciples as he's walking on the water and and just highlighting um, that they they didn't understand the loaves and their hearts were hardened. Uh, bringing the story back to that, would mm-hmm. you say, Jason, that that's what this these three uh, kind of scenes of the feeding of the five thousand, the walking on the water, and then the healings? Do they all turn, would you say, on that, uh, those couple of verses there about the disciples not understanding the loaves and having hard hearts? 
I mean, yeah, especially when you when you pull them all together like that. I mean, if you were to preach the feeding of the 5,000 alone, um, which we could have done, you know, we could have done that a bunch of different times. It's just, it's harder to, you know, you're in, you're in, a, you're in a gospel for three years if we were to break them up that way. And so we were trying to go, but um, yeah, because I think that, 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 that bringing back to the loaves in, in that section on the water uh, is really important. It's like the, it's because the insider and outsider dynamic that he's been talking about, if you've been listening to this or the sermons, you, you know, like he's been dealing with insiders and outsiders. Um, and the disciples have always been insiders, but in this, in this case, it's kind of shown that they were the outsiders uh, in this particular instance. And the people that were being healed were the insiders. They're the ones mm -hmm. that fully believe. They're just like, I believe that you can heal me. And they're touching the edge of his garment. And the disciples had just seen him feed the 5,000, to more than that, the 10, 10 to 15,000, yeah. um, like he, like he did in the wilderness in, in Exodus and then walk on water. Um, again, like the, the water crosser, like what happened at the red sea where he just, he, any means possible to get from one side to the other. Um, and they still didn't really get it. They didn't understand like what was happening, that he was fulfilling so much stuff from the, as, as he's thinking about the people of Israel. And I mean, we could have gone into a lot on that, but yeah, I think that that is such an important part of it. And I think we, um, are, are like that often. Like we just don't, sometimes we don't see him at work. We, we miss what he's doing. We're so caught up in our own. Sometimes it could be cynicism. Sometimes it could just be our own joyful life. Sometimes it could be, um, difficulty and, you know, grumbling and what, whatever it might be, but we can get so caught up into that, that we forget to look around at what he's doing. And I think we miss a lot. I know for my, for me in my life, I'm sure that I miss a lot. There's so many times where I move so quickly from a time, maybe that God works in my life. You know, I, I, um, I'm question, I'm asking him questions. Let's, we'll use Chris Amaro as an example. Cause like I, I, you know, the whole hiring of Chris, if you're new to the church, Chris, um, you know, we, we prayed about Chris for, for a long time. Um, and it seemed like we weren't going to find anybody to fill the role. And then just in a day, we've, you know, through like three or four different, pretty fairly miraculous circumstances, Chris and I had a conversation and we hired him and it's, he's been a, a great, like a, just a great addition. It's exactly who God wanted us to have. Um, and so I can, I can see that and go, man, the Lord was with us and he provided for us this way. And then quickly, if something else goes wrong in a month from then I come kind of like, is the Lord with us? Like, I don't know. You know, I, you just so quickly forget um, so I think the disciples in some ways, it's a, it's a good reminder that they're just people like we are. And also, um, Jesus was so patient with them. I mean, he's in the boat with them and he's not angry. He's not throwing them overboard. He's like, don't, you know, do you guys still don't understand like what, what's happening here? And he's just slowly walking with them at their pace, trying to catch them up to speed. And, um, so it's a good lesson for us to understand how he relates to us too. Yeah, that's good. And I know it was, you know, it's challenging to preach a longer section, uh, but it is cool to see how that's tied in together. You know, we, we would have missed that had we just preached the feeding of the 5,000 and then the walking on the water separately. It, it, that connection would have been probably mentioned, oh, hey, yeah, you know, remember last week, but it is good to see it all right there in the moment. The Bible is, you know, the the, the author is up to something here and it's, it's cool to see. Right. Um 
So now this this kind of emphasis on grace and patience, and you asked this question in the beginning, um, if you were to understand God's grace and patience, how would it change your relationship with him? Um, if I'm honest, the the idea, the word grace, because we, we've talked about it so much in, just in church circles for so long, it's a little bit like one of those words that if you say it over and over again, it starts to sound really funny or weird. Um, and I don't think the word grace sounds funny or weird, but what it means and what it looks like can get a little funny or weird for us as Christians, um, just because we've heard it so much, we've talked about it so much, we've read about it so much, um, and for good reason. Uh, God is a God of grace and patience, as we saw uh, from that Exodus 34 that you quoted. Um, but let's get really practical with it. What are some markers in the life of someone who gets grace, the grace and patience of God? What does that really look like uh, in practical ways? Great question, because I agree with you on the grace piece. It's like the God Jesus Bible word. It's just sometimes it just kind of comes in. But really what it means is it means it means favor from God for us that we didn't deserve. It's it's something that we didn't like we didn't earn it. Um, we didn't we don't deserve it, really. But he and his kindness and his steadfast love and patience and faithfulness um he changes our, our futures. Like he, he, he gives us so much, um, that, so, so yeah, I think the outcome of that, when we fully understand it, it changes our perspective on life. It changes our perspective on him. I think it changes our perspective on our relationship with him. Um, and what I mean by that is, I know those are all vague things, but but I, I do think that that's it's important to get that framework. What I mean by all that is, um, we live our lives oftentimes, and I and I go back a little bit to um, John Newton because John Newton talked about this. He's a pastor, author, guy that wrote me at the song Amazing Grace. Um, you know, we oftentimes live in this world as Christians where we, we never really leave the infancy Christian stage. He, he has, if you, if you read anything by him, um, Tony Ranke has a good book. It's an, it's a biography on John Newton. Um, but he talks about how a lot of his spiritual formation, he, he talked about in terms of human growth. So he, there's this infant Christian infancy stage, then there's adolescence, and then there's like maturity adults. And then there's like grandparents in the faith, grandmothers, grandfathers in the faith that we look up to. And, um, his, his take was, you know, most Christians, like the majority of Christians never leave infancy stages and how he defines infancy stages is an infancy stage is that they don't fully get the, the impact and the implications of the gospel, meaning they don't get grace. That's what he means. They live, people live in this low grade, um, guilt in their life, they just constantly feel like they're disappointing the Lord. They can't measure up to Him. They don't, you know, they don't, they don't do enough. Um, you know, they, they don't, they just, they just can't, they can't measure up. Like they, and they feel guilty all the time. Um, and as you grow, that kind of goes away. The the adolescent phase is where you begin to get to this place where you you realize that your relationship with the Lord isn't based upon what you do or don't do. It's not based upon that at all. It, it's based upon his his um, kindness to you and his the blood of the cross and the power of the resurrection and your your belief. We're saved by grace through faith, right? This is this is Ephesians. Um this is Ephesians chapter chapter 2. So like we, we are saved by grace through faith 
We are as workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works that God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And so I think that if that's all true and the more we get grace and the gospel realities of grace, um, we find a lack of striving for approval with God and also with man, with each other. We're just not as, it doesn't matter as much. I think this world doesn't matter as much. We, we, we care less about the things of this world. It's like, remember the song? Uh, it's like an old hymn. Um, Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full on his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim. Like there's something about that. When I was a kid, I thought, ah, it doesn't make any sense to me. A 40, and now I'm a 46-year-old man who's lived life, and I realize, no, there is something about that. Things of this earth just kind of grow strangely dim. I, I don't care about them as much as I once did because I I'm so captivated by who God is. So a lack of striving approval, a lack of care for the world. I think we have a peace with Christ that's rooted in our justification. It's not rooted in what I do or don't do. If I don't have a, my quiet time in the morning, I'm not crushed for the day. Like, oh my gosh, God's, he's disappointed with me. I got to make it up to him somehow. That kind of thinking is not gospel. That's not grace thinking. It's not, I almost said gospel center, which is another buzzword, but it doesn't have the gospel behind it, pushing me forward. The gospel isn't just for non-Christians. The gospel is good news for non-Christians. And it is amazing news for Christians because, because all of the old Testament, what Jesus is doing in Exodus, he's leading this obstinate people that can't follow the law. They just, it's impossible. The whole old Testament is an impossibility to do what God's asking you to do. So when Jesus dies on the cross for our sins and he, he rises again and says, believe in me, and we do, all of our striving goes out the window. It's not like I have to somehow earn this. Um, so those are those are main things. One, one more thing I would say is that, and I think this is an overlooked part, um, we have a willingness and a readiness to lament freely. Um, and in some ways... I don't want to say complain to the Lord, but as the psalmists ask a lot of questions, Lord, why, why, why did you bring this into my life? I don't understand. It feels mean spirited. It's confusing to me. Asking those questions freely and openly with the Lord, with a dialogue, not with bitterness towards him, but with genuine, like, I am confused by this. Um, and, um, you know, perhaps there's anger in your, in your heart towards him, but just freely admitting that is a gospel implication. It's a grace implication because it don't, the only person that can do that with him is the one that truly believes that even if they say that, he will not let them go. And so I think that there's there's something that we have to understand about that if we're going to have that. I think that that's that mark. When I see that in people's lives, I, I really, it's encouraging because I'm like, I think they understand God's grace and they're living in the good of it. So. Alan Jackson has an excellent version of turn your eyes upon Jesus, by the way. I love it. Nice. I ask, uh, ask Bill Wilson. He'll tell you. Bill Wilson knows what I'm talking about. The only Alan Jackson song that I've ever heard of, I think, is um, it's five o'clock somewhere. Didn't he write that? Was that him? Well, I don't know if he wrote it, but he definitely performed it. Yes. Yeah. OK. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. It means nothing. <laughs> Sorry. You just when you mentioned that, I was like, uh, I had Alan Jackson playing in my head. Um, so I think you hit really well the uh, the vertical uh, kind of under like what what it looks like when someone gets grace and patience. I'll just hit horizontal a little bit real quick. I was thinking about um, Luke seven and the woman when Jesus is at the Pharisee's house and she pours the she's her her tears are pouring on his feet and he's she's washing his feet with her hair and her tears 
And the, the Pharisees are like, dude, what, what are you doing, Jesus? How are you letting her do that? And he says, whoever's been forgiven much loves much. And um, as we think about grace and patience, we, we see that expressed through God's forgiveness. And when we're those who really get that forgiveness, what, what God has done for us in Christ to wipe away our sins, um, I do think that it will cause us to love much, to be generous um, with giving away our uh, our friendship and giving away forgiveness to others and, you know, generous with our money and, and all those things. Like whoever is forgiven much and really understands that, really gets that, will love much. So the marker of a life who's, of someone who really gets grace and gets patience and God's grace and patience is someone who's going to be loving uh, freely and generously. Really um, and really everything you say. So, um, yeah. all right. So now the flip side of understanding grace and patience is that the Bible does warn us not to presume upon the grace of God. And what came to mind was Romans 2, 4, especially, um, you do you not know that the, the kindness of God is meant to lead you to repentance. Don't, don't take it for granted. Paul's, uh, telling, uh, the church there. Uh, in Rome. Uh, he says it again, Romans 6, 1, he talks about it. James hits it in chapter four. So what does it look like? How do we balance this? What does it look like to presume upon God's grace and patience? And how can we avoid doing that? Good question. It's the, it's the flip side of what we were just talking about in some ways. Um, you know, you, the Romans, I think it's Romans six that you just referenced is the, is that section where he's, cause he had just gone in Romans. He just gone through this whole explanation about how, you know, nobody, nobody can come to God really on their own. What they need is this God to work in them and to move in them and to, and it's, it's not by what we do. It's by his grace. You know, it's his, it's faith. He talks about Abraham and David and the faith that they had that God can work and God will work and they trusted him and, and it's our trust in, in Jesus and the cross and the in the gospel, the the res the death and resurrection, perfect life, death and resurrection of, of Jesus Christ. As we think about it and as we rest in it, we rest in the fact that it's by his total work that we find our salvation, that we find ourselves justified, which is a biblical churchy word, but it means made right before him. Um, and we can come to him then. We can come to him with confidence and boldness. And he's saying, you know, the more, the more that that um the more that that sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. It's kind of what his phrase is saying. So this, as sin grows, grace grows. Um, you can't you can't out sin God's grace and patience and kindness and goodness and and this is the this is the implication of the of the gospel. And so he right here he asks a hypothetical. I think as in Romans six. Um, so you might say, which is your question here? You might say, well, if his grace grows when our sin grows, well. well why wouldn't we just sin as much as we possibly can to make much of his grace? I mean, what if that's the case, then what stops us from doing anything? What stops us from just going off and sinning and doing whatever we want to do, which I would define as what he means by presuming upon his grace. I think presuming upon his grace is just saying, look, I'm going to, his grace is there for me. That just means that I can disregard the Bible. I can disregard what he says. I can disregard who he is. I can disregard anything about him. And I'm just going to go live my life, um, eat, drink, be merry, do whatever I want, sleep with whoever I want, um, 
you know, go and ignore any biblical commands that I want, moral commands. I don't need to do any of them because, man, his grace is there for me. And that, to me, that's presuming a, what he means by presuming upon God's grace. It's looking at grace and saying, yeah, I'm just going to going to presume upon it. I'm going to, I, I know it's there. It's a safety net for me. And so I'm just going to do it. I was, I was thinking about it when you, when I was looking at this question, I remember watching um, lethal weapon two, which I is a long time ago. I haven't seen it in a long time. I can't vouch for it. I've I'm notorious for watching movies when I was a kid and tell Tiffany, we got to watch this. It's really good. And then I don't realize what they say in there or what they show in there. So not vouching for it. If you're listening to this, this is not an endorsement, but I do remember watching that movie. Um, and uh, the, the bad guy is an ambassador from a foreign country and he keeps just committing crimes all over the place. He's stealing stuff. He's killing people. He's doing this. And he keeps, he, they want to try and arrest him. But he's like, I have diplomatic immunity. And sorry. Like I've, you can't do anything to me. I have diplomatic immunity. This is my safety net. This is what I am. That's when we just go off and sin and do whatever we want to do. We're somehow claiming to have diplomatic immunity. Like, Oh, Jesus is my King. You can't do anything to me. Um, that's presuming upon God's grace. And, and that is not biblical. Paul, Paul says, but, but no, like you can't, I mean, if you read that, it's by no means exclamation point, like as strongly as he can say it, no, that is not it. Yes. His grace abounds when we sin, but that doesn't mean we just have free reign to do whatever we want. The people that have free reign to do whatever they want, maybe not, they may not be Christians. They might even be under God's grace. Um, because a Christian is one that looks at God and says, because of what you've done for me, I want to live my life for you. I'm not going to put rules in place to try and earn my way there, but man, I want to look like you and I want to be like you. And I want to, I want to, I want to live like you. And I want to do the things that you're calling me to do because my affections are, are growing for you. This is moving from infancy stage. John Newton's would say to adolescent stage, and then ultimately to, to being a, an adult, um, Christian, but you know, I think that, that those are all important things. Um, we can't strive to earn favor with him because he's already done that for us. We have favor with him through the gospel. That's not that's not presuming upon his grace. That's trusting in his kindness and grace and recognizing that he is gentle and lowly and he he is he's not gonna, you know, in the Psalms it talks about God is the God that doesn't, you know, he doesn't break off a, a bruised reed and he doesn't snuff out a, a, a smoldering wick. He, he's not the one just to go, you're out, you're done. Read Jonah. I mean, go, go back to read some of the things we've talked about. He is so patient and that is trusting his grace. That's trusting his character. That's not presuming upon it. If we're trying to live our lives for him, I, I go back, I said it a second ago, but to Ephesians two, um, by grace, you've been saved through faith. You know, we, we trust in his grace. We trust who he is. We believe that he is who he says he was. It's not by our own doing. It's a gift of God, not a result of works. So we don't want to boast in, in our, in our salvation. That's his working. And then, but we are his workmanship. It says created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand and that we should walk in them. And so the Christian life is walking in the goodness that God's given to us and walking that out in such a way that honors him. And so um, I hope that answers the question. If anybody's thinking like, oh man, presuming upon God's grace, um, you know, that, that is something I think, I think that is just taking, totally taking advantage of who he is and what he's done for you. It's actually a slap in the face to the, to the cross. It's slap in the face to his death on the cross. Cause we just go, yeah, thanks for doing that. Whatever. I'm not living for you. I'm going to live for me. I'm so grateful for your grace. See ya. And I think that the Bible would say, yeah, th that person 
I think needs the gospel. Um, they need to hear the gospel again to remember what it is, or maybe to hear it for the first time. That's helpful. And I just want to add um, a little bit to it by pointing people to James chapter four, because I think it's helpful, um, especially, you know, for our context and, and just where we're at, um, because you, you may be listening to this going, man, I don't, I don't have like big sins in my life. Um, you know, my life is pretty clean. I'm a pretty moral person, whatever it may be. So I'm not really too worried about presuming upon God's grace. And I think James four is a helpful reminder too of what it might look like for us. Um, it says this in verse 13, come now, you who say today or tomorrow, we will travel to such and such a city and spend a year there and do business and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring, what your life will be, for you are like a vapor that appears for a little while then vanishes. Instead, you should say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. But as it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So it is sin to know the good and yet not do it. So you have James here um, kind of, you know, it's just a business person, really, which I think should be relatable. Yeah, you know, I work in business. I get this. You make a lot of plans and um, really the the evil here is presuming upon the grace of God without putting his will for you first and asking, what is the good and am I doing it? So it's more of that uh, maybe passive uh, arrogance or passive selfishness that we can be prone to just going, yeah, I've got my plans. You know, I'm traveling, I'm making a profit, I'm doing my thing like this person here in James without a thought of, well, what's the Lord's will? What What is the good that I should be doing? Um, and if we're not stopping to ask that question and prioritize the Lord's will and the good that he has for us, then we we, we could be presuming upon his grace, um, even just in our day-to-day -day practical lives. Um, you know, this is obviously a different conversation than the presuming upon his forgiveness of sin. You know, it's his common grace that we're presuming upon there as well. So it's just another check for us i guess to be aware of yeah it's helpful man it's good all right so um let's uh let's see how much time we got yeah we got some time for this what are let's get a little personal here we've been trying to add a little bit more the last few weeks what are some markers of god's grace and patience in your life that you look back and rejoice in your, your application was really pointing us to uh, rejoicing in god's grace remembering his goodness to us. So what are some of those things that you look at in your life uh, and rejoice in? I mean, I'd love to hear, I'd love to hear your answer to this too. Cause um, I think that we can all have, we all have some of this in our life. I think I understand what you're asking. Um, obviously, obviously sin categories would be so prominent for me. I mean, if you look back at your life and I look back at my life years ago and you realize there were so many things that I was dealing with and struggling with and how, how patient God was for me, um, towards me in allowing me to just work it out slow over time with disciplers, with people that are pouring into my life where, you know, just trying to grow. He never let me go. He never pushed me away. He was always welcoming me. I mean, I, I know that that's the case. It, I was, I didn't become a pastor until I was in my thirties. Um, and part of that was probably just me being stubborn, um, being un undecided, you know, some of it was circumstantial, but all of that I think was God's grace in my life. Like, I, I think that there was a lot that I, I really, I can look back at and, and, and see his hand in, um, you know, I, I'm a, I'm a, my parents got divorced when I was 17. 
Um, and I didn't know, I didn't know a lot of what God had for me. I lived a Christian, I lived a Christian life. I was an intern after my parents got divorced. I was an intern at, um, in, uh, Tempe at a church, Grace Community Church in Tempe and, uh, junior, working with junior high kids. And, um, yeah, I mean, I was living this life of trying to strive after ministry life. I was 19 or 20 years old, but my, my devotional life stunk. I didn't have a relationship with the Lord that was super deep or meaningful. I was living, I don't know if some of you can relate to this, but I was living on the, like talking about trying to earn favor with the Lord. I was living on like a, a two, a one, a one, one 10 minute, uh, devotional time where I was reading my Bible and praying one of those probably every two or three weeks. And the only reason I would have one of those and spend time with him was because I felt so guilty and bad about myself. It was like a little bit of a drug pick me up. And so it was like, I felt like I was living this weird roller coaster Christianity while I'm trying to lead all these kids. And I just look back at, at all of that in my life. And I'm like, man, God, I just, I can see his, the massive amount of patience in the process. It, it wasn't, God didn't expect me to be a fully mature Christian immediately. There was a, there was a patience with me in the process of my growth and sanctification that I could tangibly see. And I can look back and, and see very clearly, you know, even in my pastoral ministry life where I, you know, I think there was a season in my pastoral ministry life where I thought, oh man, the stuff that I were doing is the best stuff ever. And, um, you know, there's, I'm not sure there's, there's any better church and like, you know, this is, I can't, you know, I can't believe those people are teaching those things or those people are doing that kind of stuff or they have smoke machines on their stage or, you know, they turn the lights off. I mean, all this stuff that was very judgy um, for me, which God pulled me, really pulled me out of to where I have so much more, um, so much more nuance, I think, and in, in how I think about those things. And I think that it's developed, I've been able to develop friendships with churches that I don't, I don't even agree with all of their theology, but, um, you know, we serve the same Lord. Um, we have the same basic theology, the same main things, you know, but some of the other things are out there. And, um, so I, I mean, I think I can look back. I, I think, um, I could probably even give more cause I, you know, I, I definitely am not immune to striving after God's favor, um, striving after him, you know, asking questions like, if you're like me, um, if things aren't going my way, like, am I doing something wrong with the Lord? Is, am I? disappointed him somewhere as there's sin in my life that I'm, I'm trying to equate it to me. And I think, um, I think that's changed some, but it's still there. Um, and God's just patient. His patience with me in the process when I was 19 and 20 is the same patience he's showing now when I'm 46. And it'll be the same patience that he's showing me on my deathbed. Cause I'm never going to be a mature, mature enough believer. Like I'll never achieve um, perfect, perfect Christ likeness. I hope that I continue to do it. You know, as I look back a year from now, I hope I look back and go, yeah, I can see how he grew me, which is, I think, I think the goal of the Christian. So uh, patience in the process, I would encourage you all to have that, men have that mentality, have that phrase. Okay. There's patience in this process. What's God doing? What steps do I need to take? How do I trust him more? And then a lot of prayer asking him to work. So those would be some things for me. What about you? I'd love to hear some of your thoughts, Tyler. I mean, there's a lot for me, especially not having grown up in the church. Um, you know, I can look back and see God's pursuit of me. I wasn't looking for Jesus. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't interested. I had no motivation to go in and go to church and and have God do anything in my life. And, and he pursued me in spite of that. Um, and then even after becoming a Christian, I have a, a really uh, vivid memory of a time where I kind of stepped back into some stuff and like 
was laying on the floor just crying out to God because the the context I was in was one where where they uh, taught and believed that you could lose your salvation, which which I don't believe, but I was scared and I was laying on the floor face down crying out to God like do, please do not let me go. And he he just broke a lot of stuff that had a hold on me there. Um, so I look back on that. I also just practically in my life, um, a lot of broken cycles of sin that are more generational uh, in my family, um, uh, cycles of brokenness, like like poverty and divorce and things like that, that God has just, he's done a lot um, to, to make me different. You know, there's no really, there's no other reason um you know between me and, and I have a lot of siblings between me and my other siblings it's just Jesus um so stuff like that and then also I would I would echo ministry as well through some really hard stuff um ministry does not look at all like I thought it would uh right now and I wouldn't have it any other way even though it was really difficult going through some of the stuff um and you know that you were there I can tell anyone about that offline that wants to hear about it I'm happy to share but uh mm-hmm. <laughs> but you know this is you know doing working full-time doing ministry kind of on the side whatever uh in a church plan none of that was what i planned and yet i wouldn't have it any other way with with our church and with our leadership team and, and things like that so i mm-hmm. that's that's kind of a constant reminder for me if oh man god has got me even when it's not how i would have planned it it's better to be with jesus than than with my plans yeah so yeah that's good Great. good um, so we got just a couple minutes left here. Um, was there anything that you had to leave on the cutting room floor that you didn't get to hit? I mean, the only thing I mentioned it, um, there's, I mean, we could go on, we could do a deep dive into the, some of the old Testament stuff because Jesus is doing a lot. There's a lot that he's doing. Um, but I think the one thing that I just, I went over really fast was just a word on resting. Um, you know, I, I think that it's important for us to, um, to just have to take remember that when we're when we're doing ministry um and maybe when i maybe even that's maybe that's even a bad phrase doing ministry when we're living our lives as christians genuinely which involves the ministry that we do um in discipleship and in evangelism and all the things that we're called to do um making disciples of the nations and and, you know being at church and and hospitable and all the, the fruits of the spirit when we're doing all of that um it's a, man, it is a temptation in America, I think, for all of us pastors, um, lay people to uh, to just burn ourselves to the ground because we feel like we can't take a rest. And I think Jesus Jesus have, asking the guys to take a rest is something that we have to recognize. He needed it too. Um, and so like to, just to see that, I think it's it's helpful. you know we, we are we are finite beings. Um, you know, it's we got to work. Sometimes we have to work from work. Sometimes we have to work, uh, rest, I'm sorry, rest from work, rest from social media. Sometimes we have to rest from vacations because we're just aren't, our lives aren't at rest. We're just going, 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 going. And sometimes we have to rest in him. We have to be close to him. Like he, he's saying, come away with me. We have to go and be with him and, and take time to be away with him. Um, I was thinking about the, I was thinking about when I was in, when I was in, um, doing my seminary work, my Bible school work, the, um, they were just pushing like, Hey, pastors need to be set a good examples. You should be working 70 to 80 hours a week. You should be, you know, that's what the church should be doing. I just remember thinking, how is that a, not a bad example? Like I, that doesn't make any sense. We're trying to, we're not trying to be the culture. We're trying to live healthy lives with our families and our, you know, and our kids and our, with, you know, dating our wives and or our husbands, if, you know, if you're, um, 
if you're a female listening to this, dating your wives, me dating your husbands, um, finding, you know, finding a spouse and, and honoring the Lord and serving in the church and doing that, but doing it in such a way that we're, you know, we are resting. I, I would say the one caveat would be sometimes, um, sometimes we think what we need is, is rest from things, um, that are godly things, um, because we feel like God's calling us to rest from them, but that maybe they're not, maybe that's just selfishness. I don't know. It's everybody knows their own life. I remember there was a guy that one time told me this is a funny story, but he was like, Hey, I feel like God's given, you know, he, he asked me to, to take a rest from giving. This was years ago. This was when I was in like college. And I was like, really a rest from giving. He's like, yeah. Cause I need to buy, you know, some more, more, um, hubcaps for my car and upgrade this stuff. I just feel like he's calling me to rest from giving. And it's like, yeah, I don't, I'm not really sure that that was the Lord. Like, I don't, you got to really, you got to really think about that one, you know? So we have to be careful on how we think about that. But I do think that that we live in a culture that just goes, and again, it could just be how much social media we're viewing. You know, this is, you're, you're up 20% from last week to 15 hours a week, day, 15 days, a, uh, or 15 hours a day or whatever it is. You get that thing on, you know, every Sunday or Saturday. Um, sometimes we just need to rest from those things, take breaks, take sabbaticals from them, take sabbaticals from church life. I mean, there's a reason that pastors usually get sabbaticals every you know, seven years, something like that, just to take a little bit of a break from ministry to be um, with the Lord, to be with their families, just to make sure that we're not killing ourselves. And I you know a lot of other people need that too here and there. So anyway, that's just that's something I didn't really have a chance to go into. It's definitely something that stands out in that text though. You're like, whoa, Jesus is like, all right, guys, chill out now. Let's take a break. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's, it's a cool thing to hit even the humanity of Jesus there too. Mm-hmm. Um, Jesus we got miss, tired. Jesus got hungry. Yeah. We miss that so much, but we can't, that's such an important part of who he was and who he is. Um, he still has his physical body. I mean, he's not, he's, you know, he, he's still like that. I'm not saying he's tired now, but he's still like that humanity of who he is, the hundred percent God, hundred percent man. So important. And when we see it in the Bible, we have to, we want to hold on to it and see what he's trying to say to us there. Yeah. And um, it's about all the time we have for today. So with that, let's rest in the grace and patience of God this week. Uh, I want to remind you of Jason's Live It Out points to take regular time to rejoice in God's grace. Let's really take that time this week and to fight unbelief by remembering God's gracious uh, grace and patience towards you. So I want to encourage you um, as you finish up this podcast, maybe even now, Stop and just take time to do that, to rejoice in his grace. Remember his goodness towards you. Great. See you, everybody. Thanks for listening. See ya. Thank you for taking the time to join us today as we brought your Sunday into your weekday. Our hope and prayer is that you continue pressing into the Lord and applying the Bible to your life as you seek to honor Jesus as King. We'd encourage you to continue this conversation with God through reading the word and praying, and to continue this conversation with other Christians at your anchor huddles and your anchor communities. We look forward to worshiping King Jesus with you this Sunday and to talking to you again on the podcast next week.